0: What's up, everybody? Maddie B. We are on the Adapt, Survive, Thrive podcast. We have Connor Kraft here today. He was my first employee at GNC, and rightfully so, he's the first guest on the Adapt, Survive, Thrive podcast. And I look up to this young man, even though he's only 22 years old, he's about to go in the real world, and he's accomplished almost every goal or every goal that he's set to do since I've known him. And while he worked at GNC, He was definitely our best sales associate. He even has a Matty B. GNC MVP trophy to prove it. And since he got accepted to the Carlson School of Management at the University of Minnesota, which he recently graduated from, the top of his class with a 4.0 GPA, which led him into the next opportunity, which he went ahead and secured a position at one of the top three management consulting firms in the U.S. or the world. Uh, The world. All right, so the world. So you're going to want to pay attention to this regardless of your age because this applies to everybody. Some of you might even have children that are going through the same timeline of life as him. So we're going to start in 2014 and work through to present, which is a lot of goal setting, determination, persistence. Even getting the job at GNC was astonishing, the amount of persistence it took. So let's get started. Three, two, one, roll in. Welcome back to AST with your host, Maddie B. Connor, I'm going to let you introduce yourself, but let's start from the beginning so the audience can get a little insight on a little bit about who you are besides the stuff that I outlined and before we met in 2014 when you walked into the GNC for the first time.
1: Yeah, so <clears throat> I guess leading up to GNC, Um, yeah, I grew up in Maple Grove, Minnesota, kind of pretty standard, like middle-class suburban white kid life from a very high level outsider view. But then I would say that really under the surface of all that, there was quite the, the mess, if you will. So I do have two siblings. Uh, both of them are quite a bit older. My sister's 32, my brother's 29. So 10 and seven year age gap between the two. So I was definitely like the baby of the family. Um, parents were both married previously before they were then married, got divorced. My mom's been married like four times in total. So that in and of itself has kind of just been quite the process of just like instability and constant change in my life, which I'm kind of having to like, I guess adapt to or had to, um, during my childhood and like early teenage years. Um, And then on top of that, like, there really was, like, no set path for me. Like, I didn't really know when I was younger going prior to GNC. Didn't really know where I wanted to go. Um, For example, like my dad was in business. My mom didn't go to school, but she's still kind of halfway in business. My brother's a welder. My sister is a naturalist. Like there's just, there were so many. So
0: I have to ask, what is a
1: naturalist? A naturalist. So um, if you go to like a, a park district, let's say, and there's someone who'll educate you on like the environment, whether it's like the trees and the nature surrounding it and then also the animals. Um, but then she also does, like, kind of, like, restorative healing stuff. So she's she's does something definitely a little different compared to, like, what you would normally see. And so I guess the point I'm trying to make is there's no, like, standard path, like, charted for me. Um, I think a lot of people are fortunate enough to have that and have something to kind of look to. I really didn't, which I think tended to work to my advantage um, just because I was free to explore whatever I wanted. Um, you know, regardless of the chaos, I did have two very supportive parents on both sides, that encouraged me to do what I wanted so although there was there were some struggles which like I was a really bad student up to like eighth grade horrible student I wasn't getting good grades um, parents were constantly just getting interrogated by my teachers at conferences like what is wrong with this kid <laughs> he asks way too many questions he doesn't shut up etc um, that didn't change though. <laughs> no I still asked a lot of questions um, it worked to my advantage but I would say that really like the turning point, which this is a couple years before GNC, was like ninth grade. This was fresh after one of my mom's like, I guess, boyfriends at the time had just died very unexpectedly. He drowned in a lake. Um, Long story, getting to another time, very traumatic experience. And like, I was just at the same time in my teenage angst years, I was getting bullied for being overweight. And then to really top, Put the cherry on top. One of my teachers uh, told my mom when I was in ninth grade that like he didn't think that I should stay in school or so this is end of eighth grade. He said I did, he didn't think I should stay in regular school. I should do like online or special school or something because it was unlikely that I was going to graduate um, with the path that I was already on. And so kind of like all of these <laughs> things, all of these things really just built up and I kind of put a chip on my shoulder and pissed me off and for a while I think that was what fueled me and then it really became transitioned into some intrinsic motivation but so then from that point on like I became super passionate about working out and bettering my health because I was sick of people telling me I was fat or whatever just trying to get under my skin in middle school or whatever and then um, I was also really determined to prove that teacher wrong and anyone else who ever said I wasn't like a good student and I I come to found come I came to find out that I, I really enjoyed learning a lot. Um, that's why I asked so many questions and never shut up. Right, um, I right. just, I just kind of had to apply myself, and I realized if I, if I wanted to quote unquote win the game, I had to figure out how to play it, and that was really just um, learning the stuff they wanted me to learn, um, while also just soaking up every bit of it uh, that I could. Yeah. So if that makes sense,
0: it does. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know all that jazz. I mean, I knew some of it, but. Um All right. So let's fast forward to the day that you walked into the GNC and, uh, what made you come in there? What were you doing right prior to that? You know, was it your first job, not first job? What got you to walk in the door? And I mean, obviously you had to walk in there more than once, but what got you to go?
1: Yeah. So, um, like I said, I became super interested in like working out. Um, and right prior to that, I was actually at LA fitness, just just got a, a lift in after school. But um I was super dedicated to one of the other like local supplement stores, which you know. Yeah. And um it took me a while to convert over to, to GNC. But um got a flyer in the mail, and my my mom knew, so I was currently working at a car wash, um, just kind of literally just washing cars and doing just about everything you could do there from the cash register, drying, washing cars. Whatever, kind of a physical labor job, but she knew I wanted out, and she's like, "This would be a really good opportunity." Like, I saw this GNCs opening up; you should go there. I was like, "Absolutely not." I go to this, <laughs> I'm I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I go to this store, and they're still great, whatever. But, um, and one day I was just like, I think I just got like a workout, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go in there. I'm gonna see what's up with it. And so I went in, um, and you know, I asked you. I was like, hey, like not sure if you're looking for work. I got this flyer in the mail. Um, and I just kind of gave you the whole rundown and try to sell myself to you. And you know, the drill it's, you, you were busy, you were stressed, you weren't ready to say yes to an employee. Um, but when I didn't hear like the words, yes, I, I think that it was at that moment where I knew I was determined to get a job there. Cause I was like, I just no, I'm not going to let someone tell me no. And you didn't tell me no. I didn't tell you no technically. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'll, I'll let you kind of describe what was going through your head at that point. Yeah,
0: I mean, when you first came in, I remember you had your little uh, 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 lanyard on with the, with the white V-neck on, uh, looking looking super, super young. Um, but I did not even know how to hire somebody, and it, most of the people that had previously walked in, I just got a bad vibe, right? And some of my past history is maybe pretty good at identifying in a short order Who's, who's, who's full of shit, basically. Um, And so that's why I told you to come back. The problem Mm -hmm. was, is you came back the next week and uh, that wasn't quite enough time for me to get my brain together. So uh, I can't remember how many times it was, but basically after the third or fourth time, I was like, okay, this kid's like more serious than I thought. So I have to hire him because... Otherwise, I'm gonna miss out because nobody does this shit. And so then I had to figure out how to hire you, uh, which was which uh, you know I did. I had to figure out if we could employ people younger than the age of 18, uh, which was accurate that we could. It just wasn't normal policy, and and everybody advised me against it due to most of the maturity levels at 16 year olds, right? But uh, you know I don't know who gave you the gave you the pointers or or if anybody did but that's like literally just how you get a job Mm. is is if you don't hear no bug them until you hear yes or no and so uh then i uh got the paperwork started you jumped on board and uh it turned out to be a blessing right i mean we've been pretty good friends ever since then and uh, I still got a picture of your ID from when you were sixteen. Yep. <laughs> uh,
1: you still have piercings or no? Well, I mean, like the holes are still there. These Did are, those ever heal? I don't know. Ear, ears, no ear, ear piercings. I, I don't. I haven't put a an earring through them since I was probably around that age of sixteen. Before I, I know I didn't have them in when I was a GNC. No, I don't remember um, them. So. I didn't know you even had them ever until I looked at the photo. Yeah, it was uh, interesting. Like I said, I had a lot of freedom to kind of pave my own path. And I think that was just a little mistake I made along the way. Nothing against people who have their ears pierced. It just looking back wasn't for me.
0: Yeah, that was one thing my mom was super uh, not cool with. So I never got a chance <laughs> to get those. Maybe it was a blessing, I suppose. Shout out to Maria. I guess tattoos without her permission, though. Whatever. Yeah. Um. All right. So. During the GNC, you were working with me for what, three, four years, something like that? Yeah. Uh, So during that time, you know, what, if anything, did that experience do for you or mold you to the path that you chose during and after high school? You know, we had a lot of time alone together because uh, I didn't really ever leave the store partially because it was like my baby and then partially because I didn't really have anything else to do. I already made the commitment. Right. And, uh, so if you can attribute any of those things that you learned or that brought about from that experience to, to get you to the next step, what, what what does that look like? Because that job was probably
1: a little bit more in depth mentally than the car wash. Oh, 100%. Definitely, <laughs> I'm just definitely. saying. No, you're right. And, and you're very correct. Uh, much more mentally in-depth. Um, I would say that, like, first and foremost, uh, I knew I wanted to do something that made me money. Because, like I said, I lived like a, a pretty standard middle-class life. Um, it was a very good life. Nothing against that. Nothing against the middle class. But I knew I didn't want to live a middle-class life. I knew I wanted money. I knew I wanted to make an impact. And, um, you know, in the mind of a 16 year old, I'm thinking, Hmm, what are my options? I'm thinking you go to med school, you become a lawyer or you go into business. And, uh, that's, so that's one of those three things are kind of like the category Yeah, I yeah, to. yeah. And, then, <laughs> and then at the age of 16, you get exposed to like GNC, what it takes to run a business. I'm literally there with you for hours on end, seeing what you're doing. Um, not only in the front end of the shop, dealing with customers and like stock and shelves or whatever, but then and selling product, but, also on the back end, you know, you're working with the financials, how are you onboarding employees, um, anything else that goes into that. And that really stimulated my interest and like the key decisions that you can make, which can really help make or break a business. I mean, you, you, what it took to like put together a super sale, for example, Yeah, little things like that, the marketing that goes into it. Um, I just knew that that was that was how I thought that was, I like to do as much as I could, um, spanning all aspects of business. So I think that, that right there shaped my like course and the trajectory of being interested in business. And then, um, I would say there were, you know, like the skills that I learned there were definitely, And I'm a huge advocate for pen and paper, just like writing things down (laughs) and then also asking a ton of questions.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, because what you just outlined at the very beginning of that last little uh, explanation was the same thing you outlined that your teacher wasn't very fond of, which is asking questions because I was willing to give everybody the same information as I
1: gave you, just nobody else asked. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Nobody else was interested enough, right? Yeah, and I think one thing is is like, when a teacher has 30 kids I get it. and if everyone asks a ton of questions, that's, that's one thing. But like, it was just you and me in there. Yeah. And I think a lot of the questions that I was asking, correct me if I'm wrong, there were probably a number of questions that you didn't know the answer to at the time that you maybe didn't think of that forced you to then go and like figure it out at yeah. the same time. And that's what I love about like businesses. Nobody really knows what they're doing, Right. but you just have to figure it out together. And that's like the power of the team, the power of collaboration, whatever. Um, But getting back to kind of like the skills of just writing things down, when I would ask you a question that you might not know the answer to or that you didn't have the time to answer right away, um, I remember you told me, you're just like, you know, maybe you could go around the store and just like (laughs) learn about these products. So I literally took a pen and a paper and a clipboard, walked around the store, started with the highest margin products, and just wrote down the name of the product. So let's get rudimentary real quick, right? Like what is margin? Okay, margin is what percentage of the total sale so the revenue that you get for one single sale like the full price well full price what percent of that is profit Yeah, is after cost right um, and that's strictly dealing with like so i bought the product for five dollars i sold it for 10 therefore i made five dollars out of 10 that's a 50 percent margin yeah so, so you
0: started at the highest margin because you at that point learned that that
1: is the most profitable product to sell yes however this is another good point is like i didn't i actually didn't know what margin meant at that point in time sure i knew because we were still in do doing um you had a dollar amount that you would earn the pm's yeah um you would earn a dollar amount per each specific product that you sold and it just so happened that the highest margin products also gave you the largest PM. Right, right. Right. And then, but then I found out like, how do you calculate margin? And I was always interested in like mental math and stuff too. So that was just a, a whole nother dynamic and just like learning curve that I had to come to, which once again, reinforced my like appreciation for an interest in business.
0: Well want to change the way I actually did the structure too, because it, it was designed to be simplistic, but for a little while there we had an A squad mm-hmm. and that's why I changed it to basically like the revenue sharing. Right. So you get a percentage of the profit and, and, and that actually didn't work out long term because it was a little too
1: complicated once you got the two stores. But
0: theoretically, that should, should work yeah, the best.
1: Yeah. Um, and, and so um, I guess just like going through and writing down the ingredients of every product because I think, you know, one thing you mentioned is like this, the show and why people are listening is about acquiring knowledge, skills and habits. And, after like working at the GNC and just trying to memorize or just learn what every ingredient meant and what it did for the product and how it, you need to be able to not only understand it yourself, but also be able to explain it to other people. And that's true knowledge. In my opinion, if you can educate somebody else, you can It's like, it's like teaching your grandma or something is how I think about it. Like you need to be, you don't really know something until you can teach it to your grandma or something. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and I was, that's kind of how I was thinking about it. And so I would go home every night and I would study it and I would do additional research and I would come back and I would do the same thing every day because for a while we didn't have customers coming into the store, but you knew damn well that like when a customer did come into that store, I was going to know what I was going to be selling them. (laughs) And if I didn't know, I was then going to go find out. Yeah, so you be
0: prepared for next time.
1: Yeah, because I mean, it's like it's a learning process, trial and error for the first little bit for all of us. Um, And then balancing all of that stuff we just talked about
0: with each customer because every person's different, how they communicate is different, what their goals are. And and ultimately, you're selling them something so they get results so then they come back, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not always about the highest margin sale. Because that's that's a short-sighted uh,
1: version of sales, right? Exactly. And I the way I thought about it, um, and without going on too much of a tangent of it, but what I really appreciated about business is like, you know, there are so many conflicting goals mm-hmm. because, and you have to figure out how to balance them and how to make the right decision. And that's
0: an ongoing process. And that
1: is an ongoing process. And I will give you an example, which is short-term versus long-term. You could make a bunch of money off of selling someone a product that they don't need. Yeah. And that might be awesome, but they might never come back because it didn't help them with whatever they were looking to do. So you have to have the customer's interest in mind as well as your own interest or the business's interest in mind. And I think the best way to do that is to align, like maybe sacrificing that margin or that price point And, uh, you know, thinking that over the scale of three years, this person comes back once a month, that's 36 times whatever that price is or that profit versus one time. So you have to kind of have like that long-term thought in mind. And I think so like that decision-making is what really like stimulated my interest in kind of like business and also, um, kind of technology too. Um, it happens that at the Carlson school of management, which is where I went to school, just graduated from. Um, they have a major, it's called management information systems, yep. but what really like chose me and I'm kind of answering the last part of the question that I got uh, tailed off on, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is like what I did after the GNC. Right. And I think so. So MIS management information systems, what it actually is at like its highest level, it's called information and decision-making sciences. Okay. They abbreviate it to MIS though, but that's what all the courses are named is information and decision-making sciences. And I was obsessed with learning why people make decisions and I was obsessed with business, and I was obsessed with fast-paced change in technology and how that was going to impact the world. So that gave me an awesome opportunity um, to just, you know, continue to apply something that was very relevant and that I was interested in, but then every single day, just like grind on school and grind on that, you know? So I think, and GNC... And grind at the gym at that and, and point. And grind yeah. at the gym, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but so I think, I think it's like, starting out at the GNC, which, you know... Some people just take as a a normal job, you know, to me being at 16, I had this just like huge appreciation for it and it just further instilled like the habit of just learning as much as you could, soaking up as much knowledge, putting that pen to paper, going home at night, memorizing those things, applying it, being able to explain it to my grandma, whatever it is. And
0: did you realize that's what you were doing at the time because that was going to benefit you in the future or were you just kind
1: of like gung ho? Dude, I'm gonna be honest. Like, I mean, it was it was a few. It was it was like a, a a mixture of those things. But one one huge one is like, I knew that that was your store. I knew that it was like your baby. And at that point, I didn't know what else you were gonna do. And I was like, I'm not going to let this guy be proven wrong because I knew that there were people that were telling you yeah. hiring a 16 year old doesn't make sense. I had a chip on my shoulder there. I was yeah. I was gonna be the best. I was gonna do what I could, everything in my power to learn what I could so I didn't disappoint you or Maria or anyone else. Right. And and I think just like reinforcing that habit then pushed me um, when it came to school. I was like my first day of freshman year in college um, which jumping a little ahead of myself. But I said I'm going to graduate college with a 4.0. There were other kids on my floor that they wrote it on their on their poster board. Right.
0: Yeah. And they
1: said it and then they started to slack and join their fraternities and whatever. Nothing against that. But I was just like no, like I told myself that's what I'm going to do. And so then I started figuring out what I needed to do to get there. Going back, uh, I think you wanted to talk about like applying to college and kind of Yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. That, but one right? thing
0: I want to talk about real quick too is yeah. that I remember you called me <laughs> and uh, it was at the store. You're probably the one who called me the most at the store, which is like, dude, ridiculous that I don't get more phone calls because they just solve problems immediately instead of dealing with them later mm-hmm. if you don't know something, right? Yeah. But uh I can't remember your dad was like buying a water or something like that and it, it was just gonna give him a standard discount, right? Like no big deal, it's it's a freaking water. And your dad was told you he's like, nah, Connor, you need to make money for this business. Yeah. And and that's when I was like, huh. I never really thought about it like that, but somebody saying that to you indirectly to me, and he had an interest in you understanding more than just being behind the counter at gnc it, it 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 probably has something to do with how you look at business because back to the other conversation of balancing all those things i do feel like profit margin business gets a bad name but i i, I do want to at least touch on this subject that so many good things in the world are a direct result from businesses making enough money to do all the things that they do. And I think that's definitely not heard or talked about or 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 are maybe misrepresented, right?
1: Like you have to make money Go, to survive. Going to give a quick plug to a book that I'm reading right now in case anyone is a reader or an audiobook listener. There's a book called Conscious Capitalism. And who is who's the author? I don't know. I'm going to screw up the name. I think it's it's like Raj Sonata, and then um The CEO, former CEO, I think, or maybe still, of Whole Foods. Okay. And so, but the whole point of conscious capitalism and that is that like business can do good for everyone, but the only way that business can do good for everyone is by also making a profit. So if you have your like missions aligned and like doing something good, um, you can also make a profit, and everyone can benefit. Sure. So, yes, I I agree. Um, Business can be used as a force for good, which is actually the Carlson School of Management's motto. (laughs) Business as a force for good. I dig it. But that
0: goes into short-term, long-term, what you're utilizing all of your resources for in business because, of course, there's companies out there that uh, do things short-term. There's companies out there that do things long-term. There's nonprofits out there that are probably better than others, right? But uh, when your dad said that, it, it made that little connection of supporting businesses is a good thing for so many other reasons than just what they sell to you to to, to, to acquire whatever you need that day. Mm-hmm. Whether it's food, supplements, workout equipment, like whatever. It goes way beyond that. And I think we're all experiencing it right now considering all the gyms are closed. And, you know, <laughs> I really took that for granted. Yeah, we all did. Yeah. yeah. So how about like actually applying to school, right? Like when did you do that, uh, and why did
1: you end up where you ended up? Yeah. So, I um, only applied to schools in Minnesota and Iowa, and then I think North Dakota. Um, and I don't ask me why. I was and about you know, this to. Goes, I, yeah, because I, I, because I none of those places
0: are warm and sunny.
1: No, and I. Like I said, like nobody really in my close immediate family really went anywhere out of state. Everyone is lives in Minnesota except like one of my aunts and cousins. Um, and so it was just I didn't really know. And I was I was determined to figure it out on my own. Like my family was more than willing to help. But I was just it was something that I was determined to just like figure out. And I, I knew I wanted to stay close to home. Because at that point, like I'm wrapped up in GNC, you know, and I didn't want, I thought I had this dream that I was going to work at GNC through college and stuff. Um, you know, I did for the first year. It didn't pan out after that. But, um, so I, I started applying and redoing my research, like my junior year. And like, basically
0: you always knew you were going to school or did, did it just, uh, spur somewhere, right?
1: Yeah. Like that turning point that I mentioned kind of like end of eighth grade, early ninth grade. I think that was kind of like the,
0: like the middle finger. Like I'll I'll see you later, bro. Yeah. See
1: you later. Like, (laughs) yeah, basically. Yeah. And, um, so at that point I knew that's what I was going to do. I didn't know if that meant two years at a community college or tech school, and then transferring to a bigger university. I I didn't know what it meant, but I knew that like school, because I was determined to go there, and do good. And then I found out I was pretty darn good at school and learning and connecting the dots. I was like, I'm going to go to a four year school. And so then like, like I said, my junior year started doing research. I applied to like Iowa state, St. Thomas university, of Minnesota university, of North Dakota. Whoa. I, I toured Madison, hated it. Beautiful campus, hated it. Cause it was too far from home. And I was like a mama's boy and I wanted to be close and everything. Um, and so then settled after uh, touring the Carlson School of Management and the University of Minnesota, I just knew I was like, this is where if you want to be somebody in business, they they did a really good job at selling it. as like <laughs> this is if in the Twin Cities, this is where you go. They had like a great job placement rate. Like, the and month. it is their job to sell it. Right. Oh, and they, and they make sure. good on
0: those results, hopefully.
1: Yeah, they do. And like, you know everyone graduates just just about everyone graduates with a job and making pretty good money and so is it, i was a very long-term thinker um i think that's that's just how i've always been oriented i can sacrifice like what i'm doing today um if it means a better result tomorrow yeah that makes or sense. a year from or road. a year yeah. Or, or yeah when yeah. i say tomorrow, I, I, I got just, you yeah, yeah um or five years or 10 years from now so that's kind of that's kind of how I chose it. I mean, and other than like the FAFSA stuff, which we hired some people to like help us help my my family with that cuz that's a that's a hell of a process yeah. for anyone going through that. Like. It's financially prayers bad. to you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's it's, it's so complicated. Hire somebody if you can. If anyone's listening to this going through that, I think hiring someone helps you maximize how much you can actually get out of it um which helps in the long run. Um but other than that, like the applications, I was doing on my own. I was doing the research on my own. It was really just kind of like, what do I want to do? Figure it out. And at that point, them. right, like
0: you had good enough grades, you had put in the time. I yeah. seen you in the back of the GNC doing homework on the, uh, and, and studying supplements in, in the same intensity. So uh, pretty much after eighth grade, you were like, hey, we're going to make this happen mm-hmm. in school. Yeah. In case I need anything out of this experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So you're at... The university of Minnesota. What about your first year, man? Like setting foot on campus. You live on campus first year. I did. Um, so what was your mindset in the first year? Right. I mean, forward thinker, did you already
1: have the four years planned out or what? So, <laughs> well, and like it, in some respect, yes. And then in others, no, like I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do for a job, but I knew that if I, if I worked my ass off, And I, I told myself like walking into freshman year, I'm going to graduate with a 4.0. I think it may be at that point, it was like, get this semester with a 4.0 for sure. But long-term it was graduate college with a 4.0. And I knew that like, you know, a lot of people will say GPA doesn't matter. Grades don't matter. Some fields that may be true. But no employer is going to look down on a 4.0. No, it's like, a direct it, reflection of effort. Exactly. There's
0: no possible other way.
1: Yeah, I- unless you just, like, cheat, which, I mean, yeah. I don't think <laughs> it's possible nowadays. I don't but, think it is either. But, I mean, and I don't think if you're going to cheat, you can do it that well. But I, I don't know. Like, my right. point is, is it's 99.9% of the time going to be a direct relation to effort. And, and I knew that it's, it's always... Is there any percentages of who graduates with a 4.0 that you know of? I think there's, like, maybe one or two people a year. Really? So it's like, it's like not impossible. Like it's this someone that you get like the academic excellence award at uh, commencement, which will not be taking place this year because of coronavirus. Yeah, well. whatever. Um, but I think the whole thing has just kind of been about like, for me, it's been like reverse engineering from where I want to go. So what I mean by that is figuring out whether specifically or broadly where I want to end up, and then just identifying like a few broad buckets of things that need to be done in order to get there. Right. So I didn't know exactly what career I wanted to choose, but I knew that I wanted to be successful and I wanted to have a high paying job and I wanted to make an impact. And I knew the best way to do that was to succeed and thrive in school. Yeah. Um, And it, I would say also like in business, you do want to be well versed in like be in student groups and things like that, which I didn't really figure out until like my sophomore and junior year. But my freshman year was really focused on just like hitting the books in the dorm room. You know, every day I would wake up super early. I would go to class. I would come back. I would eat like I had the unlimited meal plans. So I had like six meals a day <laughs> and, uh, I would work out and then I would study and I would go to bed at like, uh, midnight. And, um, And then just do it all over again. And I like like we always talk about- Routine and basics on that first year. Very routine. But, and that's another thing. Like we've said this before, is everyone has the same 24 hours in a day. And for me and a lot of other people who I think really want to maximize the value they extract from that 24 hours, it's about like finding the things that I do every single day and then doing those as efficiently as possible so I have- as much time as possible to allocate to those like value. And you will
0: activities. be able to do those more efficiently the more you practice those things.
1: Exactly. Right? And, and so, um, in addition to that, like freshman year, I was somewhat distracted, I guess. Like I'm freshman year was just a shock in itself. Cause you move, you go to school, whatever. But I also had like a, a girlfriend at the time, which any young lad gets distracted by that, <laughs> um, or old lad, man. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> but then, um, like, I think it was so. It was near the end of my freshman year. We broke up, and like, oh my god, did I think my world was just coming to an end? <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, I get it. And, I mean, and you just, you just, you feel. Like it's over. Like I don't know what I'm gonna do. And then you know, obviously, you climb out of that. But at that point, like, who? I don't know what would have happened if we like never broke up or whatever. But I always look try to look at the positive and everything. And I think that was a blessing. It was meant to be because I it has just, to be a hundred percent. I then became like I I was starting to lose that chip on my shoulder a little bit because like you become so routine, you become good at it, and um. I just needed that extra push and that's just like relit the fire. And I was just like so focused on bettering myself in every form, whether that's personal, professional, physical, mental, every, everything. And so then just put it, put it all back into school. And then I would say after my like, going into my sophomore year, I started to kind of get exposed to like consulting and whatnot. Cause I had that summer after my freshman year mm-hmm. at GNC again. Yep. And then um, I was really trying to figure out like, what do I want to do? And I, it seemed to me like the most successful people were like going into investment banking or consulting. And as much as, as much of a numbers guy as I am, um, I also really like interacting with people and kind of selling ideas too. um, And also just analyzing things. And I I found out that like consulting is the, like the perfect way to do that because you literally get thrown in the mix of just solving very difficult problems for your clients. And you have to, figure out what questions to ask what data you need and then you analyze it and you make recommendations and you have to there's just so many moving parts that you have to be considering um and it's a lot of interpersonal like relationships too so i knew that that investment
0: banking is more of the mathematic the true mathematics yeah
1: and just like finance and i wasn't even a finance major at that point which had required me to which would have required me to change and my major. And I didn't want to do that because I was like trying to get out of there in four years or less. Right. Right. Um, Cause time is time. Yeah, it's valuable. And it's very expensive to be in school. Um, and so I then had a consulting internship that year and it was in my opinion, not what consulting actually is. It was a technology management consulting role, which was like basically, uh, mid-tier clients, let's say, or I should say mid-market clients um, who are doing like 10 to a hundred some million dollars a year in revenue or like looking to implement a specific system. And our job was to customize that system, customize the software, and then figure out how to implement it. And that was a great learning at experience a company. at a company. Yeah. That was a great learning experience. But for me, like I'm all about people and change and like how people are being impacted by technology more than anything, not necessarily just like implementing the technology for people to use. So knew that wasn't for me. And I was like, all right, what else is out there? And then I had the opportunity to go to another firm this past summer, um, and do more like management consulting type work and work for a pretty large client. Um, and solve a really like difficult challenge for them, which is they were going through like one of the biggest transformations in their history. And I really, I had a cool opportunity to like work with our entire team, um, as well as the client team and help them come with like, with like a command center so they could turn off like hundreds of different pieces of software that they were using and then migrate to like six core applications and the people, the processes and the technology that were involved with all that, um, was super interesting to me it was a great challenge to be solving but it was i just i'm i'm not i'm never like satisfied like i like i liked it i liked it i liked the work i had the opportunity to go back um but i knew that like what i really wanted you're working on a
0: team in these scenarios right exactly yeah
1: and the team was great like everything about the experience is awesome i have nothing bad to say about it really um other than the fact that i just wanted to see, see how I could else. maximize my impact and also maximize the personal interest that I had invested in this. Cause I put a lot of time into like the case interview preparation and the school work that goes into it. And I knew that there were like three companies that were ahead of the one that I was at. And I was like, there's, there's a reason that they're ahead of them. What do I need to do to get there? So once again, you go back to the drawing board, you reverse engineer it. And what i found out it was is like the people who get jobs at these companies are at the top of their class they can communicate very well they have a solid resume with like um internship experience and extracurriculars at school and they do really well on case interviews sure and so i knew i had the good gpa i knew i had the resume and the good internship experience and i could talk to that um but i and i knew i could you know be interpersonal and talk to people and convincing but I knew that I needed now to like master this whole case interview thing, right? And so brings me to my next question. Actually, yeah. what, what's your next question? My next
0: question is, dude. Uh, we talked on the phone uh, quite a few times as you were going through what seemed, because uh, time flies by, what seemed like months mm-hmm. of of these case interview preparations for these intense interviews, and and so you're basically about to segue into it, but you know, maybe the condensed version of preparing for these interviews, you know, the stress, the routine, the time commitment, as well as that you got wrapped into doing these very, very close together, right? Because Mm -hmm. you were doing multiple companies and, and with that multiple case interviews Mm -hmm. and these weren't necessarily in the state of Minnesota. Correct. And so, run through that because those are not normal job interview
1: style interviews, right? These are, these are long, intense experiences. Yeah. Um, so, and I know we have like, I don't know if there's a time limit on this, but I can go as in depth as you want. If you're not, if you're cool with going over a little bit, I just want to make sure that for the audience and you, I'm going to let use your, use, you use your discretion and give as much detail as necessary because otherwise it's a waste of time. Perfect. So I would say that like, Straight up off the bat, like probably a hundred hours worth of preparation goes into that. Keep in mind on top of that, this is between like full time work and or school. Right. Because right? you worked riding. at Stella's, right, at the time? Still? Um no, I don't still. That was that and I wasn't at the time okay. either. But like I have my internship and stuff that I was oh, yeah, yeah. um and then also school starts up, so you gotta balance that. But basically what a case interview is is you're sitting in front of somebody who's making a crap ton of money and is exactly in the position that you want to be. So if that's not already intimidating enough, (laughs) but then um, they also say, all right, so here's the situation. We have a client in this industry who makes cereal and they actually have um, a, like a malfunction in their manufacturing process and they can't figure out where it is. And, we need to solve it and like they just don't give you anything beyond that like it's just something super random and then you have to figure out well okay How much is this costing them? What are the different processes that it goes through? Have we, do we have a way to diagnose like where it could have gone wrong or are there multiple points? And then you figured out and okay, now how do we solve it? And so the point is, is you're faced with a business problem and you have to be able to solve it. They can give you any type of business and they can really give you any type of problem because that's what you're expected to be able to do day one on the job.
0: Which is a super good example of being able to adapt real quickly Mm -hmm. on the fly. Exactly. And so, you know, based you, on the knowledge,
1: skills, and habits that you've acquired throughout your life, to solve that exactly. And so, you have to strike a pretty healthy balance between, like, you know, giving them what they want in this interview process, which is a very structured thought process. So you have to be analytical and strategic, and then you have to propose a recommendation. But you have to do all that while practicing a bunch without sounding like a robot, because there are so many people that say okay, so let me just clarify. This is the business problem that we're going through. Is that correct? It says, yes. And you say, okay, here's how go, I'm going to solve this problem. And you know, you just, you sound like a robot because yeah. you do it hundreds and hundreds of times. You're bound to sound like it. So you have to break some of those habits and, and really make it natural. And you have to think of it as a real problem. So, and after the hundreds of hours of preparation- And there's
0: emotions and problems, right? Like there, that's
1: why you have to be able to-
0: be a human in that process. Yeah, exactly. Because you're speaking to
1: other humans who are emotionally about their problem. Yeah. And you, and you you just, there's so many considerations that you have to be able to think about that. There's no way you can just be robotic about it because if you are, you're you're just not going to succeed. You know, they're going to see right through it. Yeah, They can tell a natural problem solver from, you know, someone who's just, uh, just rehearsing it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and then there's behavioral components to the interview too that obviously matter. But after you do this preparation and while you're in school, it's like right in the middle of midterms and you apply to these companies. And I was fortunate enough to get to the final round of all three. Yeah. But, you know, you have a couple interviews a piece and then in each interview, there's multiple interviews. And, um, I'm going to be honest, like I was running on like no sleep. I was running on like four hours of sleep a night. Um, and I think you and like Dimitri and a lot of my close friends, they knew that. And I was just, I was, I was not all there because <laughs> I was just in in some of them are out of state, so much caffeine. <laughs> oh, so much, like so many shots of espresso and, and I'm out of state and I'm, I'm on a flight and then you, you go to one interview. It happened that I actually had a final round interview for the company that I'm now going to be working at. I had their final round interview in Chicago. But I also was asked to have a final round interview at a different company, which is the number one. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were in Minneapolis, and it was on. They said, "Oh no, we can only do it on one day, and it's on the same day as this other interview." I remember that. <laughs> and oddly enough, I got the call about that interview while I was standing in the GNC. Thought that was funny because a huge reason why I got that interview was because in the behavioral component of that interview, I talked about my experience at GNC. So it was just like all full circle, super weird stuff. But they're basically like, yeah, well, we can't really change the date on the interview, so you have to make a decision. And I was like, great. And my interview at one of the companies was at 11 o'clock, and I was flying in there that morning Yeah, at eight, got there at nine, and then interviewed at 11. Not gonna work when it's a th- the other interview's three hours long. Yeah, so you had to get honest then basically, yeah. right? <laughs> and so they're basically like, All right, well here, we'll give you an option. We'll fly you to Chicago the day before, we'll put you up in a hotel, we'll let you interview in our Chicago office, and then you can go to your other interview after that. So I'm like, Great. I knew I had the least like chance with this company, right? But I was like, I can't just say no. Like this is my dream. Right. So boom. Go there, do the interviews virtually if you have the opportunity to not do a virtual interview, just, just don't do it because there were so many technical issues that happened throughout the process. Ended up doing the interview over the phone. It was oh, just, really? and, and it's a case interview. So you have to show them everything and they couldn't obviously see it. Cause it was on the phone and it was, it was nasty. Yeah. 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 But you know, you have three hours long um, worth of an interview and then boom, I have 30 minutes to get over to my next interview, which is across Chicago. And So, my heart's beating already because I'm like, I got to get there on time. Like, whatever, whatever. Shoving a banana down on the way. Yeah. (laughs) And just like, just downing coffee. (laughs) Not even fully functioning. Um, Luckily, made it there on time. Did really well. The interview that mattered the most that I think, honestly, I fit best with this company. It all worked out. I got the job there. But wasn't
0: there a little bit of a scare, though?
1: Oh, in terms of just like whether or not I was going to get it? Yeah. Yeah, because... So, I actually got... So the best interview of my life, right? But then I got waitlisted. Yeah. And I was like, great. I'm like, what does that even mean? Yeah. So <laughs> and luckily I had this other job offer to fall back on, um, at the company. I'm like I'm not gonna name them, but um, and which is a very good offer. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, worst case scenario, whatever. But I'm just like down and out because these three companies that I was shooting for. I knew I didn't get it at two of them because the third one, I absolutely shit the bed. My brain was fried. I wasn't sleeping. I never black out on anything, and I straight up, like, could not comprehend the problem. It's like the guy was sitting in front of me and wasn't speaking English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was I've like, there. I was just like, what is going on? So, Sometimes
0: you just can't go no more.
1: Yeah. And so, um, basically... I had to wait for a couple weeks, almost a month, just like, they're like, you know, well, we'll we'll let you know next week. Like, we still haven't made a final decision. Because they've got numbers, they've got forecasting, they got to figure out how many people can they hire. Right. Right? And we're not, the school that I went to, University of Minnesota, we're not like a target school, like like Harvard, Stanford, University of Pennsylvania. So we, we have a... I don't know this, but I'm assuming we have a lower number of slots, right? Sure. Um, That's how I I rationalize it. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. Yeah. But the point is, um, and they're like, you're good enough to be hired, but we just don't know if we have enough spots yet. Sure. It all panned out, luckily. And I I get a call. So my my, my offer expired for the one company on, like, the 25th of October. Which was the backup, quote-unquote. Yeah, the backup, which – Cool, cool place. Um, but at like 5:30, I'm like driving in the car, and I get a call. And I'm this is after I was at school all day. My brain's fried once again. I still haven't fully recovered from <laughs> this whole process yet. But I think I'm just it's over. I'm just waiting for the rejection call. And I got a call, and he's like, Connor, like, uh, how are you? And I'm like, he yeah, he asked me this the last time, and it didn't end well. He said <laughs> he said it was gonna, you know, and and he goes, uh, so I would just like to to let you know that like we would like to extend you an offer. And I said, are you kidding me? And <laughs> I didn't believe it. And uh, I said, are you kidding me? And he's like, no, is, is that okay? And I was like, yeah, and so I was, I was pumped, whatever. <laughs> it all panned out. Nonetheless, I think like I immediately after that, I called like you, Dimitri and my mom. And that was, that was like one of the most satisfying moments of my life. I think I was literally screaming my lungs out with my mom or you and Dimitri on the phone, whatever. And then it took about two days and I was already trying to figure out like what was next. Um, because like, I just can't sit still. And so now, um, kind of from that point I have graduated, got the job secured, but now I'm just thinking like, what's next? How can I kind of maximize my impact? And it's been for the last few months just like focused on the G mat and, you know, I I don't know. And I see a pattern of, and I don't know if you see it too in your life or in the time you've known me, but it's just like getting by by like the, what what the skin of my teeth or what is it called? I don't know. This is
0: No,
1: not the skin on your chin. Whatever. (laughs) Anyways, I'm just barely getting by and I'm just, but I'm like lucky. And then when I get there, I just put it, it because I barely got in. I'm like just pissed off enough to like, prove everyone wrong yeah you didn't slide in right so
0: so that's almost a blessing in disguise that you had to wait those couple weeks Mm -hmm. and and go through that experience because you know a lot of times when things work out easy for talented people uh it tends to kind of bite them in the ass sometimes exactly and and you don't get to remember i don't know dude it's way easier to remember pain than it is pleasure at least for me absolutely
1: and So now, you know, kind of following suit, been studying for the GMAT, put in like 200 hours worth of that. And then literally less than 12 hours before I'm going in to take my exam, I get notified that that thing gets canceled now because of the virus, basically, coronavirus. So I understand. But so the point is, is like, I just, I mean, I don't know who's listening to this and needs to hear it, but like, just you got to appreciate the process and just grind and put 110 percent in, even if it doesn't freaking work out all the time. I swear I'm like a better person for coming into that GNC a fourth or a fifth time because it just motivated me to like prove everyone who didn't think it was a good idea to hire me wrong and prove you for hiring me right. And which worked out well for me because
0: <laughs> I needed all the help I could get. Exactly, <laughs> and,
1: and I mean it's 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 just been like I don't know. I think we live in like a, a time where people don't really create their own path. They're just like listening to people who they think are going to tell them what to do to get somewhere where they end up wanting to go. But the same message is basically preached to everyone. And at some point you just got to take control of your own shit and just put in the work. And if you are questioning, if you're doing enough, then you're not doing enough. You need to do more. And until you like aren't sleeping or you're like, you know, until you just like, like Goggins says, David Goggins, he says, don't quit when you're tired, quit when you're done. And I think that has just like been the motto of life. And that has been like the motto of adapt, survive, thrive for me up to this point. Not, I wouldn't consider myself thriving yet. I'm trying my best, but like you just got to keep going, find something new. What is the next challenge you want to tackle? Don't yeah. just sit on your ass after work and be like, cool, I'm done. Like, Learn something new. Read a book. I don't know.
0: Figure out whatever the hell it is that makes you want to do something because doing something that you don't like isn't going to produce any results anyways, right? Exactly. So, you know, you find out the value of learning different things because then you get to see what you like and then you get to put 100% effort into it and that will result later in some benefit I'm um, almost 100% you know and i just think that if you expect stuff to fall into place if you just go and show up everywhere i just unfortunately think you're going to be disappointed right so you got 200 hours in the gmat it's canceled right now but would you consider that a lost uh, lost amount of time hell no i mean right like,
1: i had like it took me 200 hours to start scoring consistently my goal score and now i'm thinking like great now i've just got more time to just get beyond that right and i don't so, even know what you I, study
0: in a gmat but i'm sure there's some useful information that yeah, doesn't have and, shit and to I'm do with sure, the test I'm,
1: just, I'm sure nobody gives a crap about what it actually is i could go in detail about it yeah but, let's skip but that. yeah, they yeah. Can fucking i, I just that. <laughs> the, the, the thing i just want to reinforce though is like You can't and why I think I am like sitting here today or why you wanted me on the podcast and why I kind of fall under the umbrella of adapt, survive, thrive is like, you know, like I said earlier, I had so many different options of courses that I could take with my life and I had nobody pushing me in one direction or another, which I think was so beneficial because it allowed me to like organically figure out what I want to do and then pursue it. And then you have some people along the way that piss you off, some people you want to prove wrong, but you realize that you're proving them wrong because they told you you could do what you want to do. And then you do it. So if, if you don't have people like pissing you off or putting that chip on your shoulder, do it for yourself if nothing else. Right. right? <laughs> Shit. Sorry. But sometimes some fire
0: underneath your ass <laughs> exactly. is a good thing. Exactly. So dude, so, uh, to finish it up, uh, I want to know if you have any insight to somebody, you know, maybe maybe four years younger than you, you know, in that age bracket, that is confused about what they want to do next, right? Because although your path you chose and and you gave it a hundred percent, and and that's why you're getting the results that you're getting, you know, when you talk about you could do whatever you want to do, I do feel like education, college, all that is oftentimes expected without it actually being directly said to an individual as a, as a high schooler, right? But I want your opinion. Although this path is right for you, do you think
1: it's for everyone? It's a good question. And I would say that, of course, the path that I'm on is not the path for everyone in terms of like, where I'm trying to go and, or where I want to end up or where I will end up and what school you went to and what school I went to, things like that. And it's, it's not for everyone, but I think the underlying principles of like writing everything down and studying after hours and the principle and the habit of just like being as efficient as possible and trying to soak up every bit of knowledge, asking as many questions as possible. Those are the things that I think, Everyone will find valuable. And I also think that if you're trying to do something, I don't care if it's you want to be the best Fortnite player in the world or you want to be a professional chess player or you want to be a surgeon or a lawyer or you want to be a welder or of some type of trade. Just do it to like be as good as you possibly can and do it because you want to. And if I'm looking back four years from now, this is the only time in my life. And this is one thing where I'm very grateful for is, um, and I I don't regret at all. And I'm not trying to like say, do this because I did it, but be selfish when you're young. Now you shouldn't say, I'm not going to help so-and-so because I don't care about other people. You should always help people if they need it. And if you have the means to do it, Sure. but now is the time where you can build a foundation for the rest of your life if you're a you know 16 to 18 20 22 years old even you know my age right now be selfish build that foundation work your ass off because you'll come out better on the other side and you'll build in these habits to continue doing that elsewhere but until you can start taking on the stress of other people and like a real job and you know what the future actually holds you have to build the foundation And and I guess just like do it for yourself. And maybe you want a lot of money. Maybe you want a lot of time. I don't know what you want, but just do the reverse engineering that I mentioned previously. And I I do think is like core to getting anywhere you want to go. Pick someone that's where you want to be. Figure out what they did to get there. Figure out what you have that meets those criteria. Figure out what you're missing. And then outline a plan of how you get it and do it just don't be a bitch. Sounds pretty simple when you put it like
0: that. But getting things in simple terms is is how you become less intimidated by them because looking at that person w- where they are now or, and that's where you want to get to. If you don't do it that way, man, they look superhuman
1: sometimes. Well, and and like that's the thing is they might be to you right now, but they were probably once in your shoes. Like you can be a superhuman. There's right. no such thing as a superhuman. Right. Like I don't know. I just, you can, you can be the next Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, if you want to. I and mean, you know, not everyone's, you gotta have some to talent too, but you, I get yeah, it. Yes, there's a, and a lot of luck along the way. One sure. thing I, I didn't mention is like, I had a great support system. I did work my butt off, but there were a lot of additional obstacles that I didn't have to overcome. Um, which, and if you are trying to overcome those two, put in that same tenacity and same grit into those, but don't let it be an excuse yeah. because if you do that, you've already lost for sure. So, all right, man. Well, I know that uh, the
0: coronavirus will probably impact uh, your next steps in some way. So I wish you the best of luck, and uh, I'm sure you'll carry your past to your present, which will get you to your future. So thanks for coming on. I appreciate yeah, your thanks words, for having man. me. Appreciate it for shall Good stuff. Later.